0: Bex and I are looking at what does it mean to lead youth work, and uh, for both Bex and I, we are both in very different contexts, and I have uh, led youth work in very different contexts. And we know that as you sit here today, uh, you may be in a church plant, or you may be in a church that is established uh, in uh, in a city, or you could be in the middle. Um, But what Bex and I are hoping for is that as we uh, look at uh, some, uh, an interview, we've got a young person who is actually leading within their church and actually I think having young people lead is a key part of doing that, that that would give you some ideas uh, to help you understand what does it look like to run youth work in your context. Um, and then I will just look at some other bits to help us understand, uh, leading in maybe more established context, if your church has been around a bit more, maybe you you have a paid youth worker and that sort of thing. But uh, can I encourage us to stand? Sorry, you may have just been standing in the big top, but I would love us to kind of get still before God. The thing that I really felt um, prompted to encourage you with today is to know that if you are involved in youth work at your church, that God has called you, uh, that you are not in this position for, uh, by default uh, because there was a gap left open. That may, be me, that may have been the door as to which you entered, but God has called you to be part of this for a season. And uh, maybe to not take that sense of call cool, like, oh my gosh, is this the rest of my life? But you are there for this season. When you go back to your home churches in September, that, to know you are there because God has called you and that as you engage with the session to lead out of an expectation that God is going to use you and that he's got you there for a reason. So why don't we uh, open up our hands, uh, just uh, ready to receive. Lord God, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I want to thank you for every single youth leader here who has given time, energy self-sacrifice. I pray, Lord God, would you come fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit. I pray that even now they would know the assurance of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost as a son and daughter of the King. And out of that place that they would lead young people, be leaders in their churches. God, I want to pray for just an impartation of confidence to to these youth leaders to know that you are with them. Just as he told the disciples, go proclaim the gospel and I will be with you to the end of the age, that youth leaders would know that for themselves. And as we engage today, that they would leave here knowing God is with them. But Father, we thank you that we don't have to beg you for any of these things, but you're a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. Let's take our seats and I will hand over to Bex.
1: Amazing. Did everybody sleep okay last night? (sighs) Are we all a bit tired now? We're getting near to the end. Have you had a good week? Good week? Uh, Just turn to the person next to you and tell them one thing that's been amazing this week. Go! Go! So, as Tex said, my name is Bex. Um, until two months ago, I was living in Leeds in West Yorkshire for about 25 years. Um, and I was part of an amazing church plant started by some wonderful people called the Masons. Christopher is here. <laughs> um, and um, we were part of the Oak Church. Um, and um, uh, about three or four years in, um, I began to see some young people arrive with their parents. Um, and I said, oh, Let's start a youth group quick. So, along with uh, Chris's wife Lisa, we started um, just gathering the young people. And 10 years later, um, and a lot of youth through the doors, Um, uh, I actually uh, passed that back to the church and uh, recently moved to London. Um, But I I want to say that um, as youth workers, we're passionate, aren't we, about Jesus? And we're passionate about seeing young people discipled well, young people um, knowing Jesus um, intimately. Um, and so I used to love, love, love um, creating opportunities for them um, to be able to experience him, um, but also to share their faith um, I think when I was a young person, I was so grateful for the people um, that just helped me along the way, people that just drew drew alongside me and gave me the opportunity to step out um, in leadership and gave me the opportunity um, and said, yes, go ahead, have a go um, at sharing your faith. And so when I was at school, I started a Christian union. Um, and um, I had no idea the impact and really wasn't really thinking at that age about the impact. I was just doing what I thought God was calling me to do Um, and um, just a couple of days ago um, I happened to be in the Lincoln area and a friend of mine noticed this on um, Facebook and I had not spoken to this friend for 25 years um, because she, um, like me, went to different universities and we lost touch but she happened to be part of the youth group that I... I was um, at the Christian Union, sorry, that I'd started at 16 at school. And um, she told me her story. And it turned out that she had an incredibly painful um, upbringing, a very terrible, um, even now, um, extended family story. Um, uh, Yeah, I won't go into details. Um, But um, that Christian Union for her was not just a lifeline emotionally and friendship-wise, but it was literally life-giving and because she met Jesus there and has gone on to lead a youth group in her own church, marry a Christian, bring up her children in faith. And so this is why we do it. So we, um, yeah, we keep passing on, don't we, what God is teaching us. We keep passing on what we're learning um, just in the hope that God would use the next person and the next person and the next person to build his kingdom. Um, and um, Chris and Lisa, have wonderful. Uh, the pastors of my old church, um, have a wonderful um, church now in Bradford and a lovely family and fantastic uh, family um, in Bradford. And I've invited one of their children um, to uh, come and just tell you what he is doing in Bradford. Give him a round of applause. <clears throat> Do you want to get that microphone? He asked me earlier, can I hold a microphone? I was like... Yes, you can. It's not about the microphone, but yes, yes. (laughs) Um, Eli has just prepared um, something to say rather than to be interviewed because he just felt a bit more comfortable. So go for it, Eli.
2: Morning, my name is Eli. I'm from Grace City Church, Bradford, and I'm going to share a bit of my story with you. It started off on a Sunday church where we do Discovery Bible study. And one of the questions uh, is, if this is God's word, what are you going to do about it? I chose to share the scripture with three of my friends and invite them to my house on a Monday afternoon uh, Monday afternoon after school to do a B- discovery Bible study. We have been doing this for at least a year now and have gained uh, two more people, one of which uh, was one of the guys in my Bible study sister. I also shared the scripture with a boy called Daniel and asked him if he would like to come. Both of them said yes, which was a huge an- answer to prayer. I was inspired by my whole church, but especially my mum and dad, who helped me get the hang of Discovery Bible Study. I do it because I wanted everyone to have access to the Bible, so in the first week we gave everyone a Bible. That's it from me. Goodbye. Well done, Eli.
1: I wanted uh, Eli just to come up and share his story. He's a young lad just in Bradford and he is watching the people in his life, his parents, his church family, uh, really get to grips with what it means to share the gospel, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And he's just taken it and running with it and he is changing the lives around him. And so well done, Eli. Keep going. Um, it's incredible work what you're doing. And I think sometimes we can get a bit stuck, can't we, as youth workers and we get into this mindset of it's got to be fun on Friday night and we've got to do programme on Sunday. And um, actually, what are the young people doing that we don't even notice we don't even know that they're doing i was talking to some um youth workers in the mosaic church from leeds last night and two of them independently i said oh what's happening in your youth group at the moment and they shared with me that this um in, both independently they were blown away by this one girl who basically has gathering um young leaders and that she is noticing this young person is noticing other leaders in her youth group and has gathered them to do bible study together um which i just think is incredible the youth were, were not we're not doing it to them. They're just, it's just coming up in them and in their spirit. So I think, um, I think we're in a time and a place in youth work where we need to remember that the children, the young people in our care are his, his children and that they are doing, they are church with us. It's not we do it to them, but we're all in it together. Um, and so I just wanted to bring that this morning um, just for some consideration. I wonder if you would um, just have a little chat with the person next to you and just think about uh, how it would look in your church um how it would be different in your church um if you um were watching and uh, looking for changing not just the doing it to them but incorporating them and facilitating them um to just go to their schools and go out and meet their friends in the street and tell people about jesus just two minutes
0: Great, so I'm just going to look at some practical bits um, around leading teams and leading youth work. Um, but before I get into that, um, just to know a little bit about me, and uh, you might have picked some stuff off, some stuff up over uh, the kind of course of uh, the week. But I'm currently a pastor at King's Church, London, and um, we are a multi-site church, so we have four sites, um, and so I have a dual role. Um, as uh, one of the pastors at uh, one of the sites, and I'm on the preaching team at King's, but I also oversee the youth work across all four of our sites. And um, it has been an incredible kind of journey to see all that God is doing. Uh, we currently have 130 young people on site, um, which has been a real blessing in terms of seeing God encounter them, um, but has also been, uh, as you can imagine, challenging uh, in terms of uh, sleep, particularly. Um, basically i have bribed our youth group with a game of manhunt tonight if they went to bed early um so i thought ah let me bribe them with fun so that they can then stay up running around after after the evening meeting tonight um which has been uh welcomed but i'm now a bit scared because they um they're, like, they're well into it they're like tex we're gonna find you and we'll, we'll drag you back to the tent if we have to and i was like yeah you probably will um So yeah, that is where I'm currently at, but but the previous uh, seven, eight years, I was based at a church in Reading, Uh, so Reading Family Church, where I was uh, overseeing the youth work there, and that church has been going now, I think, is it like 15, 16 years? So Ben is uh, currently there. Oh, 20, 20, yeah. Well, we celebrated 20 uh, recently, and um, yeah, that youth group was around like 30 young people, great team. So I've been uh, fortunate enough to be able to lead in contexts uh, that have been able to be a bit more established. Uh, in terms of uh, how it looked on staff, so when I was in Reading, I was the only employed youth worker um, and my role also consisted of many other responsibilities within church life. Um, so I know for many of you who are on staff that leading youth work is not your only role and then many of you, I know you're leading as volunteers. Um, And at King's, uh, we've probably got more people who are able to help with youth. um, But I am probably one of the most kind of my time is dedicated to that. Um, But before we go on, I just want to say about youth work in terms of our culture loves like quick hacks, don't we? Like five minute crafts or is five minute crafts. Are they hacks? I feel like they start to do hacks or like if you read loads of articles, right, it's like. Three quick steps to, you know, reading the Bible or uh, two quick steps to fix this within church culture. And then even like beyond church culture, there's, there's loads of stuff that loves a quick hack. But I just want to say there is no quick fix. There is no hack to lead youth work. Youth work is hard. It's challenging. But that's Okay. Because when you serve the people of God, you're dealing with a uh, diversity of people. And pastoral stuff is hard. And I just kind of wanted to say that right at the outset. To A, just put it out there. To Because if you're feeling like youth work is challenging, that's okay. That is okay. That is part of the journey of leading young people. Like if I came to New Day expecting to get eight hours of sleep. Well, text silly you, mate. But... Um, I just wanted to say that because as I talk about what it means to lead within your youth work, the stuff that I'm going to, that I'm going to talk about, it takes time and it takes energy. And I, I don't want you to go like, oh, text, it, that. That's, don't you have a quick fix? There isn't one. You know, if you look at the rest of church life, there are things that are dedicated to it and it takes time and it takes energy. Youth work is no different. Young people are the church. So, as we pass to them, we need to go into that with taking time. And uh, how I'm going to do that is I'll go through a kind of three areas that I think is really important for us to lead into. And uh, how I will kind of I'll talk about those bits, but I will also share some of my personal experience of how I've seen that at work. Uh, please, I just want you to know that um, the way of me doing stuff is not the right way. It's just a way, but there's probably a principle in that that I would love for you to figure out. What does it look like in your context? Um, because generally, the universals I've picked out, uh, the principles I picked out, are universal principles and they're based in the Bible. But, and that's the beauty of the Bible, isn't it? Is that they are foundational principles that can be worked out in any context. And then, just to say, like, what is youth work about? I just, I just really felt as I was preparing this to, to say to youth workers, If you feel like there is a pressure to grow numerically, I just feel that God would want to take that pressure off you. Numbers does not equal success. Okay. There's nothing wrong with having a big youth group, but ultimately that is not your measure of success. So as you go out today, if you felt like, "Text, how do we get this thing to grow?" Please don't feel a pressure to make it grow. Because the early church, if you read the book of Acts, they didn't have a strategy to grow. What they did was they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching, they they dedicated themselves to prayer, and they dedicated themselves to one another. And because that was so contagious and culturally, um, kind of, it was so countercultural, it drew people to the gospel and it grew organically. So if you dedicate yourself to Jesus, that is, you will grow. And I'll share a bit about that a little bit later on. Um, I don't know about you, but when Eli got up and shared, that's like my dream yeah, seeing a young lad speak in front of, what, like 80, 90 adults, and share how he is bringing the gospel into people's lives, that is, like, I always get really emotional when I talk about that, because that is my dream, and that's what youth work is about, is about young people knowing the love of God in their lives, and then ultimately being light in the world around them, right, it's to bring God's kingdom into, into their schools, into their friendship groups, you know, when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he literally he means go. He's not saying, come to me and make, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't say, come and make disciples. He says, go and make disciples. So just even changing that narrative as we lead youth work is about sending, not just gathering. I think gathering is healthy because the early church gathers or the church gathers, but it's also about sending and then having a body to be joined. My dream is is like when Eli has his friends come to faith. Like I can guarantee you that as Eli is obedient to God's call on his life, he will help bring his friends to faith at school. But then where the church comes in is that those friends that uh, have helped come to faith will have a body to to belong to and they will be part of that. So the three things that I want us to focus on uh, when it comes to leading youth work, I want to look at leading yourself Leading in a team, and then leading prayerfully and spirit-led. And the first one around uh, leading yourself. When we look at the current culture of leadership full stop, um, we've seen a lot of failings, haven't we? And it has caused young people to not trust authority. And essentially, uh, the thing is, I feel like we all know this, don't we? We all know we need to lead ourselves well. But I wanted to put it on the table because it seems that even though we know it, there, is, there, is, there seems to be a deficit within Christian culture of, help, of having leaders lead themselves well and in a godly way so that they don't slip up. And what does John 15 say? It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And we all know the passage goes on to go where it says, Jesus says, abide in me, abide in my love, and you'll see fruit. And so what does it look like to lead yourself well? You know, this passage talks about the true vine. If you look at um, the kind of, original language here that word true it means the authentic the real vine but for us as youth leaders there are multiple things that are calling to us saying this is the thing that you should be attached to whether it's more Netflix more scrolling uh, I don't know sleeping more I'm not saying any of these things are bad but ultimately what we need to be is a people who are getting before God on a daily basis getting before God not just for ourselves You know, how many times have we gone through a week and the only time we've opened the Bible is because we've had to prep a talk for youth? You know, we don't want to be in a place where that is the only time we're opening the Bible. We want to be making sure we're getting before God on a daily basis. And I think uh, some of the, the ways to naturally do that is read a book of the Bible. Use the Bible app. They've got some great plans on there. A really helpful tool that I found for someone who's maybe a little bit, um, I feel like I'm a little bit fast paced. I love kind of things to be quick, get them done, move on. But a a kind of method of reading the Bible called hand copying the Bible. Has anyone heard of that? No, but I highly recommend it. So basically, get a Bible. I would either say the, uh, like an ESV, NLT, basically whatever version you feel comfortable reading. And then get a notebook. So I bought about 10 notebooks um, they're just like regular ones with lines in them. And I got about 10 for about 5 on Amazon. So it's not expensive. And what you do is, is that you basically set yourself time every day to literally read a passage. So like, I will read 10 verses a day and I will word for word copy it out into my notebook. And what it's doing is that because it's only 10 verses a day, I cannot rush it. And as I go, I read it out loud and I say it. And what I found as I've hand copied the Bible is that scripture has sat deep in me and has been able to be a great tool to serve me in difficult moments. Because uh, we know that because youth work is difficult, we will need God's help. And often when we slow ourselves down, hand copy the Bible, um, I found it's a really helpful tool. But again, it's not the only tool. Um... And to be fair, it was a tool that I thought, mate, this is not going to work. I'm going to do it once and be done. But for many of us who live in a busy, fast-paced life, I think this is a really helpful tool. But basically, the, the essence of this is you need to be leading yourself well personally because that is the only place in which you can lead out of. Because eventually, sooner or later, if you are not depending on God, getting before God and leading yourself well... The cracks will show. But Jesus hasn't put us into the community for nothing. I think another way that you can lead yourself is by investing in good Christian community. People that can encourage you, that can point you to Jesus. And I don't just mean uh, point you to Jesus when you feel youth work is going hard. I mean in every area of your life. Do you have people that will... Uh, point you to Jesus, not just tell you what you want to hear so um, and an example of how i 've seen this benefit in my life is uh, as many of you are aware over the pandemic when George floyd is murdered as a person of color it was extremely painful like I was going through some emotional distress and I basically got to a point where I, I was really questioning what is the point of the church because the the as in the global church that I was seeing particularly in the West wasn't doing what we're supposed to in terms of justice and basically I was I was on this journey of thinking man is it time to opt out of of the church so I wasn't saying I'm gonna opt out of Jesus so I'm opt out of like do I do I need to opt out of this and I remember going to some friends and uh, who love Jesus who are committed to social justice and committed to seeing justice And what they said was, Tex, you can't have have Jesus without the church. He just said the church is broken, it's messy. But what you need to do is you need to stick to it. You need to stick to having Jesus at the center of your life and be part of the church, committed to that. And I know if it wasn't for those friends who were saying, Tex, Jesus is at work in the church and this is a painful moment and you'll be able to get through it. I I genuinely think it was so difficult for me over the pandemic in terms of the stuff around race that I probably would have left. But my Christian friends helped keep my eyes on Jesus and they helped me continue to lead well. And they kept, people kept messaging me, are you getting before God daily? And obviously in the pandemic, we were all hidden, weren't we? So behind closed doors, like I needed that, needed friends to say, please help me. Another way that I have found to combine almost the daily reading of my Bible and community is uh, something that um, we used to have like where I just have three or four friends who I'm in a WhatsApp group and we read the Bible together daily and all we do is we set out, okay, we're going to read this passage and then drop a thought into our WhatsApp group. It doesn't have to be like epic, like, you know, I've now written a new theological paper on uh, Galatians 2 or whatever, but sometimes it's like, man, what really stood out to me is that God is for me, he loves me, he's with me. And then my friends will say, oh text. I saw that God is calling us to be uh, a people who pursue righteousness. And again, the benefit of my community has helped me to lead out of a place of intimacy with God. Okay, So we need to lead ourselves well. And we do so, again, I just want to say, um, I hope this comes across, it's not down to your own your own salvation, right? Like it's, you don't earn your own salvation, but what you need to be is an open-handed vessel to God and say, God, here I am, please use me. And to first know that you are a son and daughter of the king and lead out of that. So the second thing that I would like to look at is a leading in a team. Um, and for me, this is something I'm really passionate about. And in Luke 10, very simply in um Uh, The first opening verse, it says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two. So Jesus knows that in order to have gospel advance, we need to do so in community and in team. And I just want to say, sometimes in youth work, it can feel like we have to, um, we as the lead youth worker, like everything's on me. Like, I have to be able to preach, I have to be able to organize rotors, organize curriculum, uh, figure, pastor young people, uh, meet with young people, phone parents, organize new day. But that's not true. And that's also not a very biblical model of leading youth work. Well, it's not a biblical model of leading full stop. Because when we look at the Bible, the Bible is all about uh, the body having many gifts and them all playing their part. And so how I want to encourage you is for the people on your team that you lead with, look at what gifts they have and how can they supplement the gifts that you don't have. So one of the things that I probably struggle with is admin. Like I'm just like for me to be organized, it requires effort, like so much effort. Um, But what I found is that there was someone on my team um, well, and even on my team now, that like, they can do admin in their sleep. Like When they do admin, it's not draining at all. And I'm just like, I don't know how you do that. But what I've done is I've asked them, would you be able to help me with some of the elements of admin within youth work? And then I have had other people who are really good at leading games. Like, I, this is something I hadn't realized. Like The art of leading a fun youth group game like, that's a skill. Like, you know, that's not just that anyone get up and do it. Like, there are people I'm just, I'm just like, man, you're so good at this. And so I've asked them, hey, you seem to be really good at kind of being able to connect games to what we're teaching or being able to have young people have loads of fun. Could you please uh, kind of handle the game section for, our, for the term? And that doesn't mean you have to do everything, but could you head that up? So look at the people that you have on your team. What gifts do they have? And if you don't know what they have, like, if you, like, oh, I don't actually know what people, like, can do or want to do, ask them. So when I moved to London, I didn't know the team. I was just like, I've got, I've literally, I started work on the 6th of September, that Friday, uh, so that was a Tuesday, that Friday had our first youth, and I was like, okay, I don't know the team, but we have got to do it. But at our training sessions, what I did was at the end of the training session, just on a piece of paper, I asked, what are you passionate about within youth work? And what would you like to be more involved in with our youth work? So just two very simple questions. And sometimes you can't involve everything. But what I realized, there was a lady. So at our church, our Sunday youth is run from year five to nine and there's a lady who loves to kind of do crafts and stuff that's linked to the teaching for that group. And I was like, thank you, God, because I could not, I was struggling for the, particularly the year five to nine. So I was like, God, I can't figure this out. I can't do the craft or I can't figure it out. But this lady just effortlessly able to do it. So ask your team, what are they passionate about? I do just also want to say on this, as a leader, you also have to do the rubbish jobs so you cannot just give away the jobs that you that you don't like so i didn't give admin away because i didn't like it for four years i did all of the admin and what you want to do as a youth leader you want to you want to build trust of your team and often that goes through actions not what you say so does your team see you taking out the bins Does the team see you the first to arrive, the last to leave? You know, so does your team see that when you ask them to do something to go above and beyond, that you have modelled that through your life? So we want to be people who are uh, being able to basically build trust. I think another great way, which we essentially saw Eli doing stuff, is leading with a team, I think which is becoming more and more prevalent in current, current youth culture is getting young people to lead. So uh, I'll give two examples of this. Um, So uh, when I was in Reading, one of the things that we used to do, but basically our midweek youth used to have like three sections. It was like some free time, also it's technically four. So free time, then we had like, like all play games, Bible teaching, and then worship. What I would do is I would say to our youth leader, I would ask different youth leaders to lead that section, but we basically had a rule. You have to lead it with a young person. So you have to get the young person leading. And we just saw our youth group come alive when we had young people leading. I remember the first time we did worship. Um, so at, like, in that context, you we know, thought, oh, what will worship look like for this group? We had a guitar and someone singing. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't great but we had so many other young people then come say, Tex, I would really like to do that. And we have had some of the most precious moments of encountering God incredibly powerfully. And the band is not like, it's not a New Day band because God is not, he's not always like, he's not after that. Do you know what I mean? God is after people who are saying, I'm here, like come before me. So get your young people leading. Get your young, get your young people preaching. Like Eli, man, like already at that age, So try like, spot the gifts in your young people and give them space to do it because our youth groups are safe places to be able to do this. But just when it comes to asking uh, your team and young people to lead, we need to be clear on expectations. It's really, really important that you are clear on what you're asking them. And something that I feel that I have a very, very deep conviction on post-pandemic, is the ask that I am making of people. I feel like at the moment, we want to make easy asks of people, right? We don't want to make people feel like too uncomfortable that they're taking on a lot. And I think for most contexts, that that it's an appropriate and wise thing to do, that you don't want to burn people out. But what I say to every youth leader that is coming onto team, I set the bar extremely high. Because leading in youth work is extremely, extremely important. You need leaders who are pursuing Jesus themselves and who are dedicated to young people. Young people do not need people who can be there one week, maybe the next week, not the other week, come this week. They need people who are steady and before them and have availability to love them and care for them. That's what they need. So be clear, what are you asking them? So I will literally on a phone call with someone who's new on team, I'll say, this is structurally what our youth work looks like. But please, what I'm asking you is in your kind of mind that you would be around for two years. And obviously, I would say, you're not signing a contract. You know, you're not signing your life away. If you've, if you've got to move, you've got to move. Or if your life season changes, it changes. But just so that in your mind, you are playing the long game with young people, that you are looking at it from that perspective. And I will say basically what I'm after is that you have to be a great role model to Jesus. So are you living your life as best you can to follow him? But then also I want young people to feel like they have an older brother or an older sister here. And an older brother and older sister doesn't just lead on events, right? They don't just lead, like your family is not your family just when you see them for dinner or when you see them on a Monday. I would say, And for our context, our church culture was shifting to be able to have youth leaders meet one-on-one. And we had a safeguarding process in that. Safeguarding is very important. So please figure out what does that look like contextually for you. Some church. So in my current context, I am not going to push that just yet. Because we don't have the safeguarding process to make that really safe. We've got great safeguarding for that. But the one-to-one, we need to think about that. So be clear on expectations of what you're asking people. Then again, with leading in team, the reason why I also lead in team is because it's an opportunity for us to seek feedback. Feedback is one of the most important and valuable things you'll ever have as a youth leader. So feedback from your team, feedback from your young people. So I think to be an effective youth leader, you need to love feedback. Feedback. Or at least you need to be okay with getting it, at the very least. And you need to be able to have it without being defensive. I think that's really, really important. Um, I know that uh, I can very quickly be like, when someone gives me feedback, to be like, Oh well, you don't know how hard it was to actually do that, do you? But I've realized, actually, no, this person is seeing something that I don't. Because that's why they're on my team. Because I am not the only gift in this group that actually these, uh, that the people on my team have valuable insights. And obviously we need to learn to take, you know, not every, you know, not all of every bit of feedback is true, right? So take that, you know, filter it, but accept it. And how do we get good at um, kind of receiving feedback and as well as giving feedback? Because that's really important. You want to have a culture that values that. We need to first build trust with our team. We need to ensure that our team feel trusted by, you know, that they feel like, oh, this is a safe place that I can be part of. I think also create a culture of encouragement. Does your team encourage each other a lot? You know, so when you see someone do something really well, even if it's just a tap on the shoulder, mate, you led that so well. Or ah, oh, you did that really well. And then even um, we used to have a, a debrief meeting at the end, and we would always say the things that went really well. And we, I would try to be really intentional to be like, "You led that game extremely well. I thought you engaged the group." So be specific about your encouragement. Don't just be like, so like, don't just be like, "Oh, you led the game well." You know, tell them what did what about the way that they led was good. So have a culture of encouragement. But then when we're giving feedback. We want to give not just what we want to see changed, but how we think that can look. So if you feel like, oh, that talk didn't go very well, don't just say, I don't think that was very good. Or I don't, like, I don't think that was your best one. What you want to say is, oh, I don't think you were particularly clear about your illustration. Maybe next time, why don't you use two or three different illustrations that could make your point? You know, so I'm I'm kind of, you know, that, that's actually not very good feedback because I don't feel like that was very clear, but, um, but, you know, trying to think about what is the thing that they, that you're hoping to see, but help give them a solution because, uh, you know, as people are developing and growing, they need to know, oh, I need to understand what is the principle. So you're not telling them how to necessarily do it because you want people to flourish in their own way of being themselves but give them the principle. So uh, I'll try and go for another clearer one. If young, uh, if a youth leader is doing a talk and you feel like their examples didn't necessarily hit all of the group, I would say, oh, I don't necessarily feel like you engaged the whole group. And I would say, how do you think, or what examples could we use that would help benefit each of like each of our three categories, like if we have three categories in our group. Does that make sense? Cool. So, we need to seek feedback. And then in terms of leading in a team, the last thing is that I want to say is, as a team leader, actually, could I just have a quick show of How many of you are the lead youth workers on your team? Okay, so maybe about half, just under half. Just that if you're not the lead youth worker here, you too can like be part of helping shape this, like again, because you're part of a team, you can too be a voice into your youth group. So create a family when you are like creating your youth team. The reason we want to do that is because basically we're not an organization. Okay. We are the people of God. We're the family of God. And uh, when we create a sense of belonging, people will stick on team people will stick around because they feel like they are they are going towards a common cause for the gospel and they're doing it with a family. And so an example of how we used to do this um, in Reading is we used to go to McDonald's after youth every Friday. Um, and I know many of you guys do that. Uh, many of you guys do that. And uh, yeah, I've just heard Ben say they still do it, which is really great. I actually saw a picture of... Um, like the team on on someone's Instagram the other day and do you know what the team was way bigger and there were like they were still going and do you know what? I felt so encouraged in that moment that the team is still doing that because leading youth work is not about me it's about seeing man we've been able to create a a culture of family where people feel like they belong and they can be here and they want to be around people and often we've seen that people have built friendships through the team that they come to the people on team when they're you know, when they need help, when they're struggling. So try and look at what does it look like to create a family? And then ultimately, the reason I want to say lead in a team is because uh, what we want people to feel like is that when we are in our churches, we're helping people step into God's call on their life, okay? That they are contributing to uh, seeing God's kingdom furthered through your local context in your church. That is what we're doing when we lead in a team because if it is just you, And we might treat people like, oh, you're just helping me do a task to kind of get a task done. Our teams, our volunteer teams won't stick. Like people won't stay around. Yeah, I think your youth group will be the worse off for it because you have a high turnover of people. But what we want to do is when we're leading in a team is we want people to feel like the giftings that they have, they can bring into the room, that they can contribute where they are. So need to lead ourselves well and lead in a team. The last thing that I want to look at is us leading prayerfully and spirit-led. So I just want to go to Acts 16 for this. So be a very familiar passage to many of us, and it says, and they went through the region of Fariga and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And where they'd come up to Mysia, they attempted to go in Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them so passing by Messiah they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying come over to Macedonia and help us and then Paul had seen the vision immediately we sought to go into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them I think it's really important for us as youth leaders To be leading from a place of knowing is not our agenda, but God's agenda. So here, we see that the apostles think that they need to go somewhere, but the Spirit of God says, no, you need to go here, or the Spirit of God stops them. And there's some great mystery into why God decides to do that, but the key thing here is the principle of obedience to leading Spirit-led. And what we want to be is a people who, are, who lead our groups listening to Jesus and listening to the Holy Spirit, not only individually, but corporately. I think that's really, really important. And uh, when I say being spirit-led, w- sometimes I feel like we get this misconception that leading spirit-led means we just, we're constantly go, oh, we're going this way, okay, now we're going this way, or oh, no, now we're going this way. That's not the case. We need to be people who actually provide stability for young people, but we need to be able to be flexible enough to change things if we feel that God is moving us on. And sometimes we might feel, uh, we've actually felt in our group, um, um, that as we've been praying, we feel like God is pushing on us at Kings to to change some of our structure to be more around uh, discussions. So like the fun and games is good, and we love having that, but we feel that, A, through, we know the Spirit will speak to us through what we're seeing young people engage in. You know, there's a way that our God is speaking to us. And so we have found, oh, we really want to do games, but on the night we have flexibility. We literally say to each other, well, do you think we should play a game? And then we think, no, we won't. We're going to have more time for discussion. Or we're going to say, actually, in this moment, we're going to shift everything so we can have a bit more time to respond to what God is doing for our, our Bible teaching. But we want to be people who are pursuing Jesus, are spirit-led. A way that this happened in terms of a corporate way is so in Reading when we came back from COVID, um, I felt God say to me personally um, throughout the pandemic that I was gathering a crowd and I was not making disciples, and I found that a little bit painful and I found it Um a little bit kind of like, oh God, it's the pandemic, please. Um like let me let me breathe. But but God in his graciousness, he brought it to me at the pandemic because it was the time I'd have the most time to think, the most time to write, the most time to figure out what I was doing. And what we did was I at the ed- at the end of the pandemic like when we were starting to be able to gather people in groups again, I went to our senior leader and I said, because he, he was basically saying, "Text, you're going to start youth as soon as, because the conversations that we were having was like, we need young people in the room, our online stuff is not working, we need them in the room. But I just felt God say to me, Tex, you're gathering a crowd, not making disciples, and you need to revisit what you were doing. And so what we did was for six weeks, when we were first allowed to bring young people back in, the first six weeks of the night that we'd have young people, we didn't have youth. But what I did was I gathered the team every Friday night for six weeks and we prayed and sought after God and said, God, what is it that we are going for over the next few years? And uh, all we did, we'd have dinner together. Can I just say this, this is another extra point in terms of like leading the teams. Eat with your team as much as you can. Please do that. There is something like you see people uh, in the Bible eat together. There is something God does something when you eat together and it builds a sense of family and fun. So I literally have money built into my budget for food for teams. So I have like because we have one church team meetings and then we have site meetings. I basically shifted loads of budget to just be for food (laughs) because I found that when we feed young, uh, when we feed youth leaders, when we spend time with them, that investment. Of feeding them has been a great blessing as to when they lead. So eat with your team as much as you can. Anyway, so COVID comes along. So we had pizza, but then we, got, we sat before God. We would literally have like, was it two hours, Ben? Like literally worshipping, praying. And then what we'd do is we'd sit right down. I had a whiteboard um, and every week we would write, what do we feel God is saying to us for this week? Like, what do we feel God is saying to us? And we'd write it down and we'd talk about it. So, that, so we did that for three weeks, and then for two weeks, we kind of felt, said, God, okay, here's the stuff that we have. Can you help narrow down what we feel is for now and in this next season? And then we spent the last week, again, praying, what does this look like for us? And the thing that we came away with, we felt that we wanted to be a youth group that was centered around discipleship and, uh, about discipleship and family. Those are the two things that we wanted to focus on. That through anything that we did, so the way that we led games, the way that we did talks, the elements that we stuck into a night was all around, is that helping us make disciples and is it helping us have a sense of family? And essentially what that was, it was, it had to take a moment of me to be able to say, I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit here. There were some things that I had to let go of for the sake of the gospel. And uh, in our context, one of the things that we did discuss then was a change of night. Like, oh, do we need to change youth work? But God said, no, just keep youth work on on the night and then just change some of the elements that you do within it. But we had to be obedient to God in that. And, you know, in that, we've seen God come through massively. That there were moments where, as a youth group, we felt like God had shifted and changed something. And we had a great sense of family, a great sense of disciples coming through. And I think it was because we were, well, not I think, I know it was because we were obedient to God. And God just, he he kind of just, uh, there was life all over it. But at Kings, I've been asked again to review our youth work. And I have had to sit many a time to think, how are we going to change it? And we are going to change our youth work and we're going to change the night. But the bit where I had to be spirit-led for myself was that it clashed uh, with the night that it was available. It clashed with something that was very important to me. Um, so I play rugby um, three times a week. Um, I haven't for the last nine months because I tore my Achilles tendon, which was really fun. Um, but basically, the night that youth is going to go on, Is is basically rugby practice night, and I know that if I don't attend those practices, I won't be kind of selected for the squads that I'm hoping to be in. But I had to get before God for weeks and say, God, what is the best thing for our group? And I felt God say, Tex, for the sake of the gospel, and it might be a season you've got to give this up. But I know that when I'm there and I see young people like Eli contributing to our group, bringing God's kingdom wherever they are, is going to make it. There is no rugby practice or rugby game that is ever going to fulfill me as much. So we want to be people who are spirit-led and, pray- and we want to do so prayerfully. So, I know we're, we've um, run out of time, but I will quickly uh, sum up the next few stuff. A helpful prayer schedule that I, I have found super helpful in a busy day, it somehow takes time. But, we've got, but I think we need to dedicate ourselves to prayer. I found it really interesting that Livy in the Big Top today was like talking about as a, the, the church doesn't know how to pray. I feel like a lot of us have lost that. And how I find that I root prayer into my life on a daily basis, not just for myself, but for my ministry, for my church, for my young people, is I pray three times a day, but just for half an hour. So I get to work half an hour early and I do that because I know if I'm at home, it's a bit too distracting. I can't pray. So for half an hour, I will say, God, for the next half an hour, I'm just going to thank you for all that you are doing in my life, in our youth work, and in our church. And then at lunchtime, uh, most of us get an hour lunch. I know that's not always the case. Um, I will take half of my lunch to pray. Um, In our building, there is a room. I will go into the room. And I'll pray for a group of young people that I know are struggling with stuff. Um, and then I will kind of, at the end of the day, so stay on an extra half an hour to pray. to just thank God for all that he's doing. But then again, some other stuff that I want to see. And uh, I know there was a period where I was really doing this like a lot. And I really start to see God move. And I was so encouraged by seeing all of it. And essentially, it wasn't because of the amount that I was praying, but what prayer did was it reshaped my heart and reshifted my heart to be in line with God. And essentially, we started to see... then my prayers started to shift from being just stuff about myself and about the small things I was seeing, but to seeing God's kingdom come. And we started to see God move really powerfully in our spaces. And then I've also noticed... When I haven't been praying and I've tried to go to my own strengths and solutions, that stuff has been a lot harder. And I think it's because God is reminding me, Tex, you need to be leading from a pra- from a place of prayer, from a place of dependency on God. So, can I encourage you? Dedicate your time to prayer. There's, there've even been times where I'm like, I've got, I've got a sermon to write. I don't have half an hour to pray, but then I say, God is God is saying to me, well, mate, probably pray and you'll get your prep done. But whatever that context looks like for you, please incorporate prayer. There's a great quote from um, D.L. Moody that says, every great move of God can be traced to people on their knees. And I don't know about you, but I am so passionate about seeing a generation of young people on fire for God, but I know that's only going to come through prayer. So have a look at what your prayer life looks like. One of the things that I know is a real challenge, and the last thing I want to talk about in terms of leading prayerfully and spirit-led, is recruiting is hard, isn't it, for volunteers? So hard, like a constant turnover of people but what i have seen god do over the last 10 years of ministry if you are praying that god would send you the right people god will send them it's not often it's not often when you want them to come but god will send them there are i mean there are two people right now who are sat here who at one stage i was like where are they Uh, you know I was praying for youth team in Reading I was like God we have young men who need role models please send me send me people and it went on for months there was nothing and then these two great lads at two various points turned up and are a great blessing one of them is now leading the youth work the other is playing a key part in leading it God will send you the right people that you need and I'm not saying don't go looking recruiting for people. Like don't be like, oh I'm praying about it. You <laughs> know, we all know that's not wise. You know, I was doing I was doing the hard work of phone calls, people, but people saying no. But God sent God will send you the right people. And the same thing has happened to me in London. We were really, 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 really stretched on team. And we have had hard I would say the last year has been incredibly difficult for our Friday youth team. Like it's been like six of us and they're like fifty young people. So safeguarding-wise, we're fine under ratios. We can't lead effective youth work with that, with that many young people and that many team. And what I've done is i said, God, please send me the right people. Please send me people. And literally, in the lead-up to New Day, I've had five or six people say, text, oh, I'd love to be involved with what you're doing. Like, I think that's great. And I was like, God, you always come through. Because God is faithful and he is good. And then well, the thing I've realized is if you lead prayerfully, and spirit-led, it will release a pressure off of you. Because when I pray, I know, God, you've got this. I have done all that I can do, but you will do it. Because God is good. He will provide for you. He will give you all that you need. And he will literally, when I pray, I know that when I have to lead myself in difficult patches of life, right? Because it's not like life takes a break while we lead young people, right? You know, we all have chaos that goes on at home or in the background, bills to pay, cost of living, you know, uh, mental health, all of the stuff like that stuff still goes on. But if I'm getting before God and have people who are with me, it releases a pressure knowing God you're with me and always helping me and trusting me. So as you lead in your groups, here's what I would love you to remember is to lead yourself well, lead in a team and lead prayerfully and spirit led I hope that uh, it 's been practical for you. I hope that it 's served you well. Uh, I hope that you feel encouraged to know that God is with you, and that whatever you are doing, uh, whatever in your, you are in your context that god is God is with you and he 's got you. Um, I think that was really beckoning in our heart at youth culture is that you would go away feeling like you 've got some practical tools to be able to serve your young people well, uh, and I hope that you have felt like this is case for the week um, so what I'd like in, invite us to do I know have run over, I'm really sorry but that's classic text um, that is run over but let's stand like I said yesterday um, we don't need to wait for for hours, God God can use 30 seconds for us. So when we put our hands, you will know what stretches and challenges you have in your youth group. You will know what, what kind of stretches you have in terms of leadership, your own personal journey. But I want you to just bring that to God now. and trust that as you go back he's going to he's going to be with you